0: If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blammo, all free, for you to dive into. Thanks so much. It's been a minute. I first met Jack Carlson at a party, and he told me he was about to launch a brand called Rowing Blazers. I was like, wait, what? Is that a name? or The product? Uh, does, Does he know what he's doing? He knew exactly what he was doing. If you want to hear his early story, we did a pod a while back, but since then, Rolling Blazers has become one of the hottest and most incredible brands. Jack has helped to usher back the prep movement, but in a more inclusive way, and always through his own educational background, which is not your standard designers. Jack and I talked about how he went digging to find the pieces of the late Princess Diana and how their recent collaboration with Warm and Wonderful happened. We also discuss how Rowing Blazers creates their collabs and how they ended up on every cool guy in America, from Timothy Chalamet to Russell Westbrook. If you know, you know. It's Blamo Extra, and Jack Carlson is back. The one thing that I've seen happen throughout this entire pandemic is one, tons of people are buying clothes. And, you know, also since the last time we talked, like in my old apartment in Brooklyn, when Rowing Blazers was still, you know, new were. It wasn't infant, but it was new No, it was, where... it was infant.
1: It that was infant. That was like the first interview I had done at all, like when Rowing Blazers started, was with you. Oh, shit, um, shit. Rowing Blazers, the book, had come out maybe like a year or two prior to that. But as an actual brand, you were the first person I talked to about it. It was truly, it was beyond an infant. Oh,
0: damn.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy, actually, to think about.
0: Well, and now, I mean, geez, it's, I was, uh, first off, you guys went from, like, just having, like, because I remember you were doing a couple of the shirts, making a couple of the shirts across the river, doing a couple things here, and now you guys are, like, this kind of, like, modern Uh, I'm moving my hand back and forth uh, kind of ebb and flow of like streetwear and menswear. And, and then you're making sweaters from princess Diana. And like people like, I mean, we, we got to catch up on a lot of stuff, but like what's (laughs) happened the past year outside of COVID because we know that everyone's been locked down, but like the brand is just blown up.
1: Yeah. It's been an adventure, man. I mean, and it's very, it's very eclectic. You're like right on the money with that. I mean, that's part of the brand, is that it is eclectic. You know, it's a little hard to define, like, oh, is it like, you know, this preppy thing? Is it kind of streetwear? Is it I mean, I kind of would say like it's sort of actually like none of the above, really. It's just kind of its own thing. And I, I just pursue stuff that I'm personally sort of interested in and in a way that I would like to. And that's how we end up doing things like this collaboration with warm and wonderful to bring back the original princess Diana sheep sweater, you know, for the first time since the early nineties. That's how we end up. Yeah. Doing a lot of the, just kind of like interesting uh, for me, it's interesting, but like just kind of eccentric stuff that we do. Collaboration with Harry's bar or a collaboration with, you know, barber or with, Eric yeah. Emanuel or, or whatever it might be. You did um, Barber
0: the Elephant and Barber the Coat.
1: We have we have Babar. Bab- Babar. Babar the Elephant, excuse me. Yeah. Well, it's funny, actually, when I was calling, uh, like basically when we do collaborations, they happen in one of two ways. Either the other brand like reaches out to us and usually I think it's a hoax that the other brand would like, I'm like, how would they even have heard of us? Like if I'm getting an email from Barber, Oh hey, we'd love to do like a collaborative barber jacket with you. I'm like, I just assume that it's not real, that it's like mm-hmm. someone hunking me, but then it turns out to be real. Or I am like cold calling. It, it rarely happens with like a brand like barber or something, but like with Warm and Wonderful Sheep Sweaters or with Babar, for instance. Yeah. It's um it's usually me cold calling or cold emailing somebody. And basically, like, assuming that I'm never going to hear back and it's just totally futile. That's what happened, actually, with both Babar and Warm and Wonderful. Um, but, yeah, Babar, I guess the rights are owned by, I think, this sort of, like, Canadian television network, Nelvana. Okay. And I did what you did. I called and I was like, oh, well, I'm interested. I mean, I, like, had no idea what I was doing. This And this. this stuff all takes a lot of time, too, which people don't necessarily – realize people are like oh the diana sweaters that was awesome timing you did it timed with the crown i'm like i've been working on this for like two and a half years wait for real two and a half years yeah holy shit the babar thing though was is probably even longer and that hasn't even come out yet that's coming out in a week or two whoops Um, well i okay no you're good people know about it like we've we've talked about it in the context of like our sort of fall winter in general but um yeah but that was like two two and a half years ago probably I called up Nelvana just like not knowing what I'm doing at all I was like I'd like to do a collaboration with Babar and they're like sorry like what are you trying to do (laughs) like like a collaboration with um, Babar the elephant and they're like oh Babar they're in (laughs) Quebec you know oh right right they literally didn't know what I was talking about at first I'm like oh god High school French. I gotta like get it back here, but um, <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, there's there's been a lot um, there's been a lot going on this year. I mean, the year started. Um, you know, like I was saying, I was I was traveling a bunch in January and February. I was over in uh in Portugal where we make a lot of things now. We still make a lot of things in the U.S. and we basically now also we make everything everything pretty much. Uh, let's say like 95 plus percent is either made in Europe or the US.
0: Um, Mm
1: -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's just been like, figure out as you grow and as you do more categories and as the business scales up, how to keep making things and how to make sure that you're doing it in a sustainable way, in an ethical way. And also that the quality of the product is still exactly, you know, how, how you want it to be. It's like much easier said than done, you know? right um and uh yeah but anyway I was in Portugal for a bunch um and uh what was I saying here I've kind of lost my train Crazy of year, off. you were oh, traveling a lot you were in Portugal. oh yeah yeah and then and then COVID hit and I I honestly didn't know if we were gonna like survive um you know I mean it's just like That's obviously fair, the yeah. store has to close in New York you know immediately and it's you know we're not um, we're not a big company. We don't have like a huge footprint. Actually, in retrospect, thank goodness, we didn't have a mm. big footprint. We had a pop-up running in Brooklyn, which was about to, you know, the t- the timeline was about to end anyway, and a pop-up running in LA that was also coming to an end. And then we had the store in New York and, uh, and we had our online and a few wholesale accounts, like mostly in Japan. But, you know, the store closes. That's basically like half of your business close- closing. Like, you know, we had... The main uh, sort of channels for us were our store in New York and online. So the store in New York closing was a huge thing. And obviously, the economy was not in a good place. So I was like, who knows if people are even going to still be shopping online? So it was a really scary time. And then sort of out of that, it turned out, actually, like you said at the beginning, I mean, people buy a lot of people have been buying a lot of clothes Um, online this year and that's definitely sort of what what we've found as well and we had a lot of cool things you know that we we sort of pulled off by hooker by crook this year anyway you know like we had a collaboration with Fila that came out in the middle of the summer that you know all this stuff I think like we've tried sort of from an outsider's perspective to make it look like oh this is like rowing blazers is, is wow they're doing so many cool things and like it looks like it's all going totally according to plan behind the curtain. It was like, you know, chaos and scrambling and moving things around and, um, you know, really just trying to make it work, um, with all the production delays that have happened with all of, um, you know, the inability to really do like proper photo shoots for so much of this year. Um, but you know, yeah, I think like we have a really good team and everybody sort of made it work.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's right. I forget about the fact that photo shoots like to show the product that you get.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some, this has impacted things in so many different ways. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, I'd like to think, like I said, sort of hopefully from the outside, it all looks somewhat sort of seamless, but, you know, and I don't think we're, you know, on our own with this, but it's been a lot of scrambling and a lot of figuring things out and COVID has posed massive, massive problems for our business in so many different ways. Production, you know, Portugal is totally shut down for like three months, you know, all, all of our production, you know, suddenly was like, which was going to ship in July,
0: you Mm -hmm. know, was
1: suddenly shipping like at the end of September, you know? Wow. So it was just, um, So like a lot of, a lot of adapting all of our product that we had in our LA pop-up and our Brooklyn pop-up got kind of stuck there because they were both in complexes that we couldn't access. It's not like we owned the building or whatever. So we had huge amounts of inventory just stuck in these facilities in Brooklyn and, and LA. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of like challenges and, uh, you know, I'd like to think, though, you know, if we can like sort of make it through this, we can make it through anything. But it's it's all turned out. I mean, it's all sort of turned into, you know, actually like a really a year with a lot of good stuff for us, you know, as well. And, um, you know, the, the last collection that we came out with, which included like the Princess Diana sweaters, has been just like so, you know, so well received. And the timing just kind of worked out. I mean, as I was saying, people keep being like, wow, this is such a genius move on your part to have it come out right now with everybody talking about Diana and the new season of The Crown. It's like, like I said, I've been working on it for like two and a half years. So it's well, it's really nice thing to see it all happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound like it's it's pretty perfect about that. Like, I know people are going to ask me, about the Princess Di stuff anyway. So I, I, I definitely got to chat with you about that. So you said you started on a couple, like two and a half years ago. And you, first off, because let me just like, as an aside, because people had talked about that sweater before. Rachel, Tash, Rachel Tashian had talked about it from GQ. A lot of people have talked about the sweater, but how, like, how did you find who made it? And why did
1: they ever stop? Yeah, great questions.
0: Want to hear the rest? Join us over on Patreon. You'll hear this episode and tons more exclusive pods from the return of Sid Mashburn, The Sartorialist, Michael Hill of Drake's, and more. You get access to our private members-only Slack group where we chat about menswear and a bit of everything. Visit patreon.com forward slash BLAMO and we'll see you there.